Hey everyone, and welcome to episode number 11 of Heading North. My name's Nick, and this week we're going to talk with Sarah Pohl about living in the North. But first, before we get heavily into the episode, I want to take another second to talk a little bit about Camp HNP. If you guys aren't familiar, that is the project that I'm working on where we are donating directly to Rewild, a group that is trying to re-biodiversify the world. And 100% of the proceeds that come from the purchases of our Camp H HNP shirts goes directly to Rewild, and Rewild takes 100% of that contribution and puts it into re-biodiversifying the world. So if you guys want to check that out, make, make sure you head over to headingnorthpodcast.com forward slash support. Other than that, um, so I'm here this week with Sarah Pohl. Uh, she works for Free Air Life Co. and is a huge outdoors person. So really excited to have you on, Sarah. How are you? Hey, Nick. I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Just getting over COVID finally. So that was a fun uh, week off from work and uh, a little bit of stress with not feeling well, but doing doing well and uh, ready to get back out into some nature. That's what we like to hear. <laughs> Absolutely. So Sarah, before we get too heavily into uh, you know what you do at Free Air Life Co. and about Free Air Life Co. itself, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you like doing for outdoor recreation? Yeah. So I'm actually originally from Atlanta, Georgia. I'm a transplant from down south. So I moved up here when I was a little younger than a teenager. And if you can imagine coming from down south, it was quite the um, climate shock. So, so I learned how to just throw myself into up north. And um, now I'm a snowboarder. I paddleboard. I swim. I hike. I do everything. And that's how I fell in love with up north. Awesome. Yeah, I've seen a lot of your guys' posts on paddleboarding, and I have been a surfer on the East Coast my whole life and then moved out here where, yes, you can surf superior, but it's better in the winter, and I'm going to be frank with you, I don't have a thick enough wetsuit to do winter surfing just yet. So I picked up a paddleboard, and then I started swooning over the photos you guys are posting of all the sunrise, sunset posts there, which is pretty neat. Um, so obviously, you do a lot of hiking, you do a, a lot of camping. I've seen you go on some trips doing some snowboarding. Is hiking really your your big MO or is there one that you kind of enjoy over others? Uh, me personally, paddleboarding is my is my love language. I'm a Pisces and so water is kind of the gateway to my soul and I love seeing sunrises. I'm the most reliable friend out of all of my friends to go to see sunrise with. Um, it's not hard for me to get up for sunrise. It's it's truly I think just one of the most special things and it's crazy that it happens every day. So paddleboarding is probably my favorite just because it I can do it during sunrise. I can go out for sunrise and then I also get to just enjoy being on the lake. Awesome. So I've done uh, like even past this past weekend, I went up to Pincushion Mountain and did a uh, sunrise hike, even though a snowstorm thwarted the actual sunrise ability of that hike. But I have not paddled out in the dark yet. How How is that where you're getting set up? I'm sure a headlamp and other lighting is needed. How does that go? Paddleboarding at night is actually just one of my favorite things. I love paddling under the moonlight when there's full moons in the summer, uh, especially because the lake temperature in July and August of Lake Superior is typically still warm enough to paddle under the moonlight and it be warm even if you fall in the lake. So setting up gear and equipment for uh, midnight paddling or moonlight paddling a lot of the times you have your headlamp and then, you know, I'm pumping up my paddleboard in the dark because I never use my electric pump just to not wake anybody else that might be in the area up. You never know who's sleeping in a hammock or anything nearby where I'm setting up. So uh, the cool thing I really like about paddleboarding at night is that it's just so disorienting because your headlamp 
sees the lake, but it also reflects off the lake. And so you can't see your surroundings very well. And it, it forces you to connect with the water, which is one of my favorite things and just kind of feel the movement of the water and go with the water. So I love paddling at night because you have to use all of your senses to do it. And it's just challenging and it's special because nobody is ever out there at night paddling. <laughs> so yeah, that's what I love about it. That's awesome. You know, I'm going to kind of keep jumping back to surfing, even though we're doing a wintertime episode. <laughs> um, you know, a lot of people ask me, what is it that drives you to surf? You know, I've, I've ran into sharks. I've, I had an issue about seven years ago where I got bit by a bull shark. I've had a lot of other incidents getting thrashed into rocks, everything like that. People are like, why do you go back out? How are you not scared in this open ocean? And it really comes down to being a part of a force of nature that you can't experience in any other way than physically being out on the water on the board. And I've noticed that too with Superior. Uh, for those of you who don't know, we are in northern Minnesota, so Lake Superior is our waterfront. Thank God I moved somewhere that has water. Um, it is a, an entirely freshwater lake, but uh, it does have its own um, weather system, its own tides. It, it's such a large mass of water that the moon can really affect it in the way the tides do. And it is also an extremely fickle, fickle lake. It's not like the ocean where you can tell what's going to happen. I've been surfing uh, in September where for an hour long, I was able to hit set after set. The waves were coming in perfectly. And then all of a sudden, in a drop of a dime, it changed to the point where I was nervous I can, if I can get back to shore. So to hear you kind of talk about that in the same way as an East Coast surfer is, is really phenomenal. But ultimately, you know, the reason why I wanted you on and, and I've been looking into talking more about Free Air Life Co. Is, is that exactly, is Free Air Life Co. Can you tell me a little bit about what brought you into the store and about the store itself? Yeah, so Free Air Life Company, we opened in 2019, the New Year's Eve before the pandemic hit in 2020. And that was when we opened our doors. We didn't open up with a big smash. We just kind of opened with a light idea of what we wanted to do. And I wasn't on the team when we opened um, in 2019 going into 2020. I actually was a hairdresser and the pandemic just really made me want to have more flexibility and it made me want to have more time to be outside. And I was doing hair in a salon that didn't have any windows. We were in a basement. And I, I just kind of was like, you know, enough is enough. I need to be somewhere where I can be flexible and somebody that somewhere that in, embraces what I love, which is being outside. So my friend Sarah ended up opening the store. And Free Air Life's co-mission opened with the idea of just balancing the communication between humans and nature. So the idea that if you love nature, that we should take care of it and that we should celebrate it because it's free and it's something that we can embrace and enjoy every single day. And that there's no there's no um, judgment in nature and all people are welcome in nature. And just the idea of uh, experiencing and getting more people to get themselves outdoors, because for some reason, I think it can also become intimidating now. We see people climbing and doing things that are really out of our element and sometimes that can make us feel like we're we're not good enough or we can't start or try to do it and so free our life co opened with the idea we want to get everybody outside and how can we do that but also how can we celebrate the outdoors so we found brands and apparel that give back to the outdoors so whether you get like a shirt and it plants trees for that purchase or we have apparel lines that pick up trash per purchase and how can we bring that to our own community? So it's really just the full circle of enjoying nature, giving back to nature, and teaching people about nature. 
That's awesome. And I, I think one of the biggest takeaways I had from that was getting people comfortable in going out to nature. I, I just did an episode that released yesterday, as you guys are listening to this a week ago. Um, and I talked a lot about getting other people out on the trail and that being a way that you can give back to the trail. And one of the biggest things you need to do is is teach people how to enjoy the outdoors the way you do. And that doesn't just mean, oh, well, you're going to enjoy looking at this tree or you're going to enjoy looking. It's It's literally saying, hey, you need a pair of boots and a rain jacket today. And yeah. those small things that you can have in like a, a community conversation and being in a place like Free Air Life where you can ask someone, hey, do you have any recommendations for today if I'm going somewhere is is huge in a way that it can actually get people out and so that they don't go out once and say, well, I didn't like this because I got soaked or my feet were were hurting all day. It's just having those people that you can really have that conversation with that, that I, I think is so important with really getting people out into nature. Absolutely. And also that we just enjoy knowing that we're not great at doing everything. So we have fun at telling people about experiences that we might have done for the first time, even if they didn't go well. Um, so I always joke about, you know, the first time I hiked a trail and I got lost halfway through the trail and I ended up hiking for an hour longer than I thought I would. And I think it's okay to also teach people that the first couple of times you might do it might not go the way that you plan for it to, and that's okay, and to find the humor in it. It's not even the first time you go out. You could be a seasoned veteran and <laughs> go out and completely mess up. Like, do you know how many times I have gone out with food prepared to cook for lunch, and then I realized I didn't bring a cup or something to actually put the food on? That is like my biggest, I don't know what it is in my mind. I literally plan out my entire gear. I've got climbing gear. I've got everything you could think of. And then I forget something as simple as a coffee cup to make my coffee halfway through my hike. Oh, I've definitely done that before. <laughs> <laughs> Which in speaking of uh, finding the lighter side of things, uh, and we'll talk a little bit about, about your social media here at the end of the episode, you guys post and you, especially being the social media manager, you post so much awesome reels and footage just a lot of fun hearted it's not nothing ever too serious it's always a lot of fun and I, I really appreciate that about what you guys do thanks yeah we joke a lot that we don't post a lot of pictures about what we actually have in our store we mostly just post about our adventures but that's because we want people to come in the store and we want them to ask where to hike and where to paddle and I, we want to welcome people to ask those things to us and even if they want to get outdoors with us we just we love building that outdoor community that's awesome. Now, I have just moved. I was a transplant to Duluth as well. Uh, I just moved out here uh, last summer, just before the 4th of July. So we're looking at, what, seven months of me being here. And I was a Boy Scout, made it all the way to Eagle. I was a state park ranger in the state of Connecticut. I've done hiking and everything I can. I've done the, the Appalachian Trail. I have never been to a place where there is so much available to me. Just even down to every trail I go on on Lake Superior has a waterfall. There are rock climbing locations. There are you can go snowshoeing, Nordic skiing, even though it scares me to ever use skis and not a snowboard. There's just so much to do. So can you tell me about so you being a transplant as well? Can you tell me about really what it's like to have this much available to you and, and kind of how you schedule yourself to be able to experience this much? Yeah, well, there's nothing like it. I don't think there's anywhere like Minnesota. That's why I always say I'll always live here and I'll just travel. I'll travel to see mountains and everything. But Minnesota offers so much because we have four seasons, unlike a lot of places around the world. And then we also have just so much variety of of landscape around here. We we live on the you know biggest freshwater lake 
it's amazing that lake is like you said so temperamental and it every day it's different um and then also just that we have like you said rock climbing and we have these amazing lakes we have so many lakes 10 over 10,000 lakes um and then just the hiking is amazing here we have great views we have long hikes we have short hikes we have we have everything so as a transplant when i first moved here the first goal was to figure out how to love winter uh, when you're not from here and you and you don't know what to do with snow it's intimidating and it's scary and i think it takes a lot of guts to get yourself out in it but once you do i think it's really hard not to fall in love with it once you figure out how to do it right and have the right gear um, and you don't have to do that expensive either but just to kind of start with with the right gear and and just get out there get out there is what i tell people when they first move here so that's the most important part is just getting yourself out there Exactly. And gear comes in time. I, I feel like the biggest thing to learn for winter is just layers, lots and lots of layers. Your jacket's not going to be enough, especially <laughs> yes. up here. And take that from a guy from New England where we do get some below zero days. But today it is negative 16 right now, and that's not including the wind chill. So layers are huge. I am going to make one argument with what you said and that we have four seasons. From what I understand, spring is an absolute lie here. It tells you that it's going to get warm and then it just gets cold and snows again. Well, I think I'm going to change your mind on that this spring when I take you out maybe paddle boarding while there's ice chunks next to you and open water as well. <laughs> because there are there are definitely spots that make you feel like you have spring, but you're right. It, you know, the farther north you go on one day could be a 20 degree difference between s southern Minnesota and northern Minnesota. So I'll I'll take you out and I'll change your mind on that. Okay. I, I, I actually very much look forward to paddling past some ice. Hopefully I don't uh, end up doing something stupid, like trying to ride the ice. Like I know I do. Uh, <laughs> that being said, and then also I, I had to do a little bit of research on the land of 10,000 lakes. I was like, there's no way there's actually 10,000 lakes. And I was correct. There is not 10,000 lakes. There's 11,434 lakes yep. and they're adding new lakes every year. Yeah, I believe that. And I always tell people that there's more than 10,000. And again, people that aren't from here kind of drop drop their jaw, at, especially when you go to states and areas, you know, like Utah and Zion, and there's nothing, there's no water. And you're just like, how do people live here with no water? <laughs> um, but there's a, clearly other amazing things to do. But yeah, I just, it's one of my favorite things about living in Minnesota. I agree. I actually had a guy up supporting us at my day job uh, from, I think he was Kentucky. And he kept talking about how he has to get back here. And he was like, but I bet you if I come back in summer, the lake's going to be packed. And I looked at him like, dude, if the <laughs> lake's packed, go find another lake. There's one within five miles of anywhere that you are. It really, there's there's water everywhere, which I, I'm glad moving from a uh, Atlantic Ocean state to here, have, having that water available to me. Yeah, absolutely. And it's not just lakes. I mean, we have rivers and people forget that we have a huge, you know, the St. Louis River in our backyard. And I think that's one thing that I love about having free air life company. I love having people come in the store and, you know, all they know is canal park and all they know is Lake Superior, but it's like, Oh my gosh, the St. Louis river is a 10 minute drive from here and I'll teach you where to go. Um, and you can hike there, you can paddle there. There's, you can snowboard 10 minutes away from there. Uh, if we just have so much variety and such a small compared to other places city, I mean, it's not a huge city and we have so many things to do. So. Yeah, I mean, so the city's got 80,000 people and growing. Uh, that's actually why my company brought me out here is because we're expecting to Duluth to boom. It is the second hilliest city in the country. Uh, 
based off of our uh, Western counterpart. And there's actually a lot of people from California moving into the area. But it is exactly that. Like where I moved out here, I grew up near Philadelphia and then moved between New York and Boston. And I love I love city life. I do. I love going to the city. I love having all of those things to do. I'm a big arts fan, especially theater. But I've always said I, I wish that we could find a city or create a city that actually encompassed nature. And then as I'm driving out here, my 21-hour drive from the East Coast – I got to Canal Park and I looked at the hillside that is the bowl that makes up Duluth. And I was just like, holy crap, this is this is exactly what I was looking for, where it's probably 60-40 where nature takes over more. I, I have deer who live in my side yard and I'm in the middle of a major city in Minnesota, which is just <laughs> crazy to me. And for any of you guys who are listening in and wondering really what we're talking about with living in the north and heading so far north. So Duluth, Minnesota is two hours north of the Twin Cities, which is St. Paul and Minneapolis, St. Paul being the capital of Minnesota. And in those two hours, everything changes. So when you're in the cities, it it still gets cold. We're, let's face it, we're in Minnesota. Um, there's definitely city life. There's a lot of trails. You can go see the Minnehaha Falls, which is if you look at anything type of uh, sales for coming to Minnesota, you will see that right next to the Cherry and Spoon. There's a lot to do in nature, but once you leave the cities heading north, you go up on Route 35. Uh, a lot of you people might know uh, Bob Dylan is Route 61. This is kind of the neck of the woods where he grew up, and it pretty much just turns into a, a half the state of open space. There's state parks, I want to say almost every other exit on your way up to Duluth, and once you hit Duluth, you come into what's called Superior National Forest. Now, what that is is from Duluth all the way to the Canadian border, so a two-and-a-half-hour to three-hour stretch – is nothing but open land trails. Yes, there are towns in between. I mean, the last target you're going to find is here, Virginia, Minnesota. But there are shops, stores, coffee places on the whole way up. And it's just, it's an absolute playground for people who love the outdoors or even people who don't necessarily love the outdoors yet. There's so much that you can do, whether you are a brand new hiker or camper, all the way to someone who is an experienced mountaineer. And it's just, it's a, it's a really cool place to, to kind of be as someone who's trying to get in the outdoors or someone who loves the outdoors. But really at this point, I want to kind of get into the nitty gritty and pick your brain a little bit. You talk about you guys loving to tell everyone about the trails and where to go. So I'm going to kind of try to get behind the curtains here and see what are your top three hiking trails when you're in the North shore? Yeah, that's a, that's a really loaded question. <laughs> it's really hard to narrow down three of my favorite trails. So I'll do three of the most unique trails that I've hiked in the area or nearby. One of my favorite trails is actually out of Chambers Grove, which I know that you're having trouble finding and we're going to get you there. Yes. St. Louis River Trail is, out, is inside of Chambers Grove, which is also known to other people as Mission Creek Park. Um, they rebuilt it and they just cleaned it up in the last couple years. It's in West Duluth, and so from our shop, actually, it's only like a 10-minute drive, and West Duluth is a little unfamiliar to some people, but this trail is beautiful. It's for bikers. It's for hikers. It's a multi-use trail, and it basically has you hiking along the edge of the St. Louis River, so you can see a really popular local ski hill nearby, which is called Monolac. Um, you can see it from the tip of the trail. You can see people kayaking on the river below you on this trail. And I love that it's multi-use and people are really nice about it being multi-use too. So that's probably one of my most favorite trails. It's not super popular. Um, so that's probably one of the reasons that I love it. 
but that's out in West Duluth. And then my second favorite trail is actually one that I just did this fall for the first time. And for those of you that don't know this, the Superior Hiking Trail goes within uh, our area. And the Superior Hiking Trail is over 100 miles. It's a huge trail. It connects up to the Canadian border. It's an amazing section and system of trails. And one of the trails that I love is a section of the Superior Hiking Trail. So it actually, there's a trailhead right on Haynes Road, which is in Duluth, Minnesota. And it just takes you right onto the Superior Hiking Trail. And what it does is it has you hiking over the ridgeline overlooking Lake Superior and the entire hillside, which is just incredible. So when you do that in fall and with all the fall colors, I think Minnesota does fall colors better than any state in the U.S. We have amazing fall colors here, and the season typically lasts a pretty decent amount of time. So that's probably my number two favorite trail. Um, both of those trails are around a three-and-a-half-mile hike, too, which I love that that length of trail because you can do it anytime. You don't have to plan a whole day to go there. Um, like some trails around here, you have to plan most of a day to do them and take your time to do them. But these ones are just quick ones that you can do before or after work, lunchtime even. And then my third favorite trail is one I just did last weekend. I added it to my top three, which is the Cadence River, and it's up by Grand Marais. And I haven't done it in the summer yet. I, I was the gutsy one who decided to do it for the first time in winter because it's along a creek. So being a, a water fan, I was like, I can handle this. It's a creek, it's not super deep. And it was amazing. It was an incredible hike that you're hiking on a river and it takes you through slot canyons, which who even knew those existed in Minnesota, to be honest. I mean, it was incredible. So I can't wait to go back and do that one in the summer. And it's a short hike. It's only 0.9 miles there and the same thing back. So it's about a two mile hike and the end of it. But, um, you know, people were rappelling down from the top of the slot canyons and you know, and we were just kind of running around each other in circles, exploring, and we were brand new to it. And um, I was with a friend and people that were hiking it were just like so happy and happy to see you there and tell you where to go and what to explore. And it was just such a wonderful trail and so much variety and just this short little two mile like out and back. So those are probably my top three right now. So I have a feeling that I was actually watching the video of you cheering a friend along trying to get through that little slot canyon. Yeah. Is that what that video? Okay. Yeah. So if you guys go on to Free Our Lives Go social media, you will see a video of that. I think probably got about 24 hours before that one uh, goes away. But I, I was sitting there as an outdoorsy guy. I'm like, this is hilarious because I'm usually <laughs> the one pep talking. I, I do a lot of solo hikes. and I'm usually the one pep talking myself like, you got this. You're going to be okay. The water's not that cold. It's going to be okay. Yeah. That's was- awesome. It was like 20 degrees that day, and I think most people think in a on a 20 degree day, like I would like to not fall in water. And I actually wasn't too worried about it because you know it's been negative 35 degrees lately. So I'm like 20 degrees, we've got this. Like if we fall in the creek, it's less than two miles back. Like we won't, it won't take us very long to get there. We're fine. But for some reason, it was still a nice rush of adrenaline to kind of wall climb around this corner on this river because there was a part where it was open and so there's open water and you're kind of scaling along the side of this cliff wall and yeah I'm all about saying hey we don't really know what we're doing but I know the depth of this river I know the depth of this creek and I know it's safe and I know what we can do if it goes south and let's just see where this goes (laughs) 
that is my mantra on the trail is just plan ahead and know what you're doing. You don't necessarily have to be good at it, but if you have a plan and you know what you're up against, mm -hmm. you can get through almost anything. Yeah, absolutely. It's good to be prepared and smart when you make decisions about taking risks. Um, but when you know that it's it's safe and even if it doesn't go your way, that you're not putting yourself in danger, then it's worth going for. <laughs> Now let's make sure we take a second to let our listeners know if you come across an open area where there's lots of ice, don't make the choice to go across it. A lot of people do have the experience or just know that they can get out fast enough if they need to. But as a general consensus, especially for newer people, if you see anywhere that has running water underneath ice, don't necessarily take that risk. And I, I just want to say that to those of you listening in who don't necessarily have the experience to know whether or not where you're going is a good idea. You guys obviously had a plan and knew your choice, but make sure that if you're looking at that, maybe take the choice to not hit necessarily a nice area. But if you are in an area where you got a couple inches of water and you know, you make your best choice to, to have fun with that, with that space. Um, now kind of, that kind of leads me into the next part of what I want to talk about is, uh, just really giving the listeners and all these hikers that listen in from all over the, actually the world, uh, some tips. Do you have, let's see, like three top tips that you would say, let's, let's kind of base it on, on being in the North, especially in the cold. Do you have any main tips that you would want people to remember when they're coming up here and they're enjoying the outdoor spaces we have? Yeah, absolutely. So I would just say we seem to be getting a lot of visitors and people moving here. And so for visitors, I think it's just about doing your research. I think half the fun is finding these trails and planning these day trips on, on your own. And so a lot of people will say, where can I go to do this? And it's a good idea to get areas, but it's super fun to do the research to plan these trips. So do your research because all of these hidden gems that I found that are in Duluth or up the shore, they're online. They're online or one trailhead has led to another trailhead and um, all you have to do is spend the time to do that. And then also just going and being prepared, like we talked about, it's all about having the right layers. It's all about having the right material of layers and just kind of always having a backup plan for your plan, especially on the North Shore. If you're doing any kind of paddling or anything, the, the winds can change on a dime up there. And so you have to be smart and plan ahead for, especially if you're doing anything on water or on Lake Superior. And just always having people know where you are and when you're when you're there so that if something happens, they they know that they were supposed to hear from you by a certain time or expect you back by a certain time. And most of all, especially something that we learned over the pandemic is just enjoying nature and not destroying nature. So if you're bringing something on the trail to make sure that you have a plan for what you're going to do with it, if you use it or if you, you know, if you're carrying garbage, you need to carry it back. And, and we're responsible for that. I think we learned that over the pandemic when we lost a lot of our, our park workers that, that it's up to us to take care of the parks and the trails. So just kind of planning ahead for that and learning how to embrace the trails and um, respecting other people that are out there and don't be afraid to get out there. Yes. And leave no trace is one of the largest things that I will always push. That doesn't necessarily mean that you have to tiptoe through the trails. But like you said, when you're bringing trash in, anything like that, anything that can generate trash, make sure you have a plan to take it out. And especially when you're in the northern country or in areas where there are things like bears and mountain lions and everything else. Also, maybe plan on some type of container. That way, once you open these food packages, you can put that in and that scent won't travel. 
Uh, and a big thing, too, when it comes to preparation, a lot of us, especially with this push for 5G, have been very fortunate in having signal wherever we go. So if you use an app like AllTrails or you save something to your Google Drive as your form of preparation, maybe plan to bring along a compass and a map. And most maps you can purchase now at any of the outposts heading north is I, I can name to you probably 20 stores within a 10 mile distance that can provide you with waterproof maps, but make sure you have a couple different options. I, I, and you, you listeners that have been from the beginning will hate me for bringing up the Portage trail again. But when I was doing the Portage trail, it's a 20 mile trail out and back brings you to the river that goes along the Canadian border. I realized very quickly that I don't have cell phone signal. Um, and that's not a big issue for someone that I, I knew what my trajectory was. I had a single path. There weren't any spurs that could cause me to get lost as long as I stayed on the trail and it wasn't winter to hide the trail. So I was fine, but it made me realize very quickly that I needed to have some level of map or a better understanding of the terrain that I'm in. That way, if something does go wrong, whether I get charged by a bull moose or have a run in with a bear and I have to remove myself physically from that established trail, I would know how to get back. So that, that's definitely going to be a huge thing. And especially if you're coming out in the winter, not only do you not have signal, but battery life diminishes. You guys can't see on camera, but I'm holding up in my hands uh, three different batteries that I have, not including the battery that's in my camera. And I learned very quickly when I was doing the heavy metal media with uh, Red Bull that your camera dies very quickly. And so will any GPS or phone devices. So make sure you plan with those as well, just to kind of elaborate a little bit more on the tips that you have there, Sarah. Yeah. One of my favorite things to do is actually bring hot hands. For, this is such a northern thing to say, but if you carry hot hands, I always bring a pack of hot hands. And sometimes on the really cold days that are, you know, with wind chill that's 40 below, I'll put a pack of hot hands next to my phone in my jacket pocket so that my battery doesn't drain super fast and it keeps my phone warm. Now, granted, that's only when I'm really desperate, <laughs> but um, but that's been a really good tip of mine for winter hiking. That's definitely, uh, as we're talking about this, I'm realizing it's entirely a first world content creator issue that we're like, yeah, this is how we get around it. Also, <laughs> I'm going to go on Amazon and order some hot hands yeah, you should. because that's a phenomenal idea. Yeah, I try not to use them unless I absolutely have to. But if hot hands are the difference of me going outside or not going outside when it's 40 below, I will absolutely buy hot hands. And I have, I've had some incredible adventures that I would not have had without those. So I, I'm thankful for them. <laughs> so what is your threshold? You're saying that going out to negative 40, I've so far gone to negative 30 before windchill. Where's your cutoff where you're like, you know what? I'm going to stay in today. Um, so far I, the coldest I've gotten out was I went hiking on Gooseberry Falls when it was negative 55 uh, we did astro photos um, for one of my friends that turned 30 and we were like we're not letting the weather stop you from getting these amazing pictures under the Milky Way on standing in front of the Gooseberry Frozen Falls and so um, I guess that negative 55 is my threshold <laughs> so yeah, it gets a bit cold. When I was doing pin cushion, I planned to do my hike up and see the sunrise and make breakfast at the top. I, I had just picked up a um, an ultralight 
uh, hiking stool. That way I could sit down and kind of be a little bit more comfortable than I normally would, especially because I was snowshoeing. And that can definitely take a lot of exertion. And I think I, I realized that the temperature was dropping right around the same time that I realized that I wasn't feeling well. This was actually the day that I tested positive for COVID. I, I realized that I was doing very not well uh, when I was at the top of this. And luckily, it's only about a thousand foot uh, area. But the, I, I want to say it got down to about negative 33 with the wind chill. And I uh, I would probably do it again with a little bit more preparation and layers and what I have with me and also maybe not plan to stop for an hour period of time just so that my body can maintain its heat as I'm moving and, and whatnot and my blood flow. But uh, yeah, that that so far I think was my cutoff was like the, that 35 degree. And I'm kind of interested to get out with a little bit colder, but I would definitely have to prepare myself, especially to do something like that. Yeah, I, I highly recommend it with the right gear and the right layers because obviously it's really dangerous to do it without the right gear and without the right layers. But there's something really special that happens in nature when it gets that cold that you won't understand unless you go out into it. And I think the same thing about how we always usually say if it's really cold here and that cold, usually the skies are incredibly clear. So it's kind of the hand in hand we joke about that when it gets really cold, a lot of the times it means that the skies are really clear, which this season and going into spring, that means great northern lights viewing usually. And so um, so for that, it's it's something I don't want to miss out on. And when I say negative 55 was tolerable, that was also with like an insane amount of layers on. I had my wetsuit neoprene face mask on. So the only thing that was showing in the air was like the eye slits from my eyeballs. <laughs> Everything else was completely covered in layers. And I mean, layers and layers and layers and the right layers. I think I had like three pairs of mittens on that night. So it 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 goes without saying like what it took to actually get to that adventure and enjoy that adventure. But um, yeah, you just have to be prepared. That's what I always say. It's all about the right layers and being prepared. It's like boy scouts and girl scouts taught us that our whole lives be prepared. It's as yep. simple as that. Yep. And wearing snowboarding goggles on the trail to cover your eyes is not weird. It's just a normal <laughs> part of life. Yeah. I run in the winter all the time with snowboarding goggles on and I don't feel silly about it at all. I, I can't say that I've tried running with snowboard goggles on that. That might be my threshold. <laughs> so Sarah, thank you so, so much for coming on. I, I've been really hungry to to talk with you, especially about Free Air Life Co. Uh, so can you just tell us where we can find you on the social spaces and, and how we can check out Free Air Life? Yeah, so our TikTok is Free Air Life Co., and our Instagram, which is what I most mostly recommend people to go to because Instagram is just tells the story of our brand. That's all I do on Instagram. We, we tell the story of our adventures. We tell the story of what we do. We tell the story about our brands and why we're proud to carry them. And our Instagram is um, at and then free underscore air underscore life underscore co co. So again, it's free underscore air underscore life underscore co because <laughs> free air life co was taken. <laughs> and then on top of that, we have a Facebook and our Facebook is just at free air life co one word. And I usually, like I said, recommend people to go to our Instagram. Um, you can also check out our website at www.freeairlifeco.com. Our brand story is on there. And if you're interested at seeing the brands and what missions they have, we have a tab that you can click and it'll tell you what brands plant trees and what what brands give back to like waterways. 
and what brands pick up trash for purchase. So we have our website pretty well organized also by eco missions because that's a huge part of brands that we bring in. Um, and if they don't have an eco mission, usually it's just that they celebrate the outdoor lifestyle in a really lighthearted way um, or serious. So we like to say that it's for everybody. It's for the person who's going outside on a hike for the first time, or it's for a serious climber that's going to hike some, you know, scale some 14ers and out West. So, yeah. And I can say the website is extremely easy to use. If you are someone from one of the coasts and you're used to going into these like smaller surf shops or trail fitter shops, this is exactly what you're going to get from Free Air Life Co. Uh, they're located right in the Lincoln Park district of, is that technically West Duluth or is that Duluth? So usually when people ask where we are, I say that we're in the Lincoln Park Craft District of West Duluth. Technically, we are in West Duluth. Oh, we're not by Gary. We're just entering into West Duluth. So we have dubbed our own neighborhood, which is the Lincoln Park Craft District. So our shop is surrounded by breweries and um, cideries and little shops. And so, yeah. Yep. So you can go shop for a couple hours at Free Air Life Co. Get some phenomenal food either at OMC or go over and try some Bent Paddle craft beer. Um, and it's it's just such a fun place. Literally, if you're an outdoors person where you do enjoy live music and great shops and great food, the area that Free Air Life go in is exactly that. So I, I highly recommend if you are in the area to check it out. But if you are from the other coast or not in the area, go over to the website. You will absolutely love what they what they have to offer. Most of my coffee shots, you'll see a coffee mug that I purchased from there. I've got a candle behind, two candles behind me from there. There's just so much awesome stuff that you can get from the store. Yeah, absolutely. And even when you were, you made a reel of you hiking and making coffee after you went for a winter hike. And I was like, I know exactly where that coffee is from. And I know what they do. And I know what they give back to. <laughs> that's so, awesome. That's something that we're really proud of. And we're really excited. So when people come in the store, we really like to tell them about the substance of what each brand has here. And so yeah, even if you follow us, and you're not from the area, and you're planning a trip here, I mean, you know, send us a message and ask, you know, this is what I like to do. This is what I want to see. Where do I go? Because I love recommending hikes and paddles and all kinds of things for people. So. Well, great. Sarah, thank you again for coming on. And everyone else, thank you so much for listening in this week. If you liked anything you heard from this episode, make sure you go to www.headingnorthpodcast.com. If you want to check us out on social media, head over to Heading North Podcast on Facebook and Instagram or search Heading North or search Heading North Pod on Twitter because we also could not get our name without adding some weird variation. If you want to support what it is I do here and make sure that you guys continue not hearing ads on these episodes, head over to patreon.com forward slash heading north podcast. And to make sure that you're supporting Rewild, make sure you go to headingnorthpodcast.com forward slash support. <laughs>